The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So in thinking about what to reflect on this evening, I kept coming back to some of the experiences of my retreat and um, what seemed most up for me or most inspiring to communicate or express is um, just a deep appreciation for the simplicity of the practice. This is, um, I'm and, and an appreciation for, um, let's say, uh, the deepening understanding of that simplicity. We may learn it at different levels at different times, and I feel like I kind of drop to a new level of, oh yeah, right, it is really, really simple. So I wanted to speak a little bit about that and to put it in context of um, how we practice and how the simplicity can be supportive for us. I think our culture in the West is, uh, it's kind of, um, it emphasizes knowledge and um, gathering information and knowing detail and this um, this kind of uh, approach can get carried into our practice and can get emphasized a little bit or supported a little bit by um, by the way some of the teachings are expressed. There's, I think, we can think about the Buddhist teachings having different purposes. Some of the teachings are instructions about how to be with experience. Those are fundamentally really simple instructions. So the practice instructions are really simple. The descriptions, another piece of what's talked about in the Buddhist teachings, a lot of what the context that he speaks to is an understanding or a description of what's going on in the mind and how we get caught by suffering. So there's a lot of teachings that are more descriptive of this is how the mind works. The teaching on Dependent origination, which describes how suffering comes to be. Twelve steps and conditionality and this leading to this, leading to this, leading to this. Now, it is it is a complex teaching and um, understanding it is not a, um, you know, understanding it at its deepest levels, the Buddha actually equated with awakening. So it's uh, the description of that process of mind that gets us tied up in knots. It's a pretty deep and complex process that our minds do. So 
So there is complexity in the Buddhist teachings. The teaching of the five aggregates, which kind of pulls apart the different functions of our body and mind and then speaks a little bit about how they interrelate and interweave. Again, kind of a complex teaching, especially since it's not something that we've grown up with. You know, it's not, it's not a way of understanding our human experience that is in our culture. And so it's something we might want to sit down and reflect on and learn. And, and there's a place, there's a place for that in our practice. Absolutely. And some of that can support our meeting, our experience and turning our interest and attention to experience in new ways. And then there's, you know, the description of um, the practices, how we are mindful, how we attend to experience. The mindful, the, the, the sutta on the four foundations of mindfulness, when you look at, it, it might seem complex too, because there's a lot of different instructions, a lot of different teachings in that. But in each teaching, if you look at just what the instruction is, so for instance, in, in the first, the very first teaching is, when breathing in, the first exercise, when breathing in, know that you're breathing in. When breathing out, know that you're breathing out. And so that's a fundamentally simple instruction. Not easy. Not easy to do by any means. But the, the instruction is simple and what we, what it supports actually is a simplicity of mind that's not trying to figure things out or, you know, put categories around things. The teaching, the instructions for mindfulness are encouraging the mind to land with experience and know it. And that, that's what it, that's it. That simple. When breathing in, know that you're breathing in. Other places in the Satipatthana Sutta, when feel, when one feels a pleasant feeling, one understands, I feel a pleasant feeling. Again, quite simple. Now it, it can take some understanding, uh, you know, that, that teaching on feeling tone speaks of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral experience. And it can take a little while for us to really get through meeting our experience. Oh, that's what's meant by pleasant and unpleasant and neutral experience. Or when it points to getting familiar with greed, aversion, delusion in the mind. Again, it can, it can take some time for us to understand what it's pointing to. But when we see it, it's fundamentally a very simple mind that sees it. This is the experience of the mind not wanting something. This is the experience of wanting to hold on to something. So again, the, the instructions are simply to know that. In the instructions for mindfulness in the Satipatthana Sutta, there's not even a, a kind of a preference given about experience. It's like, yeah, no aversion is arising in the mind. It doesn't say, and then try to get rid of it. 
It just says, know that it's there. And then it also encourages us to recognize what it's like when it's not there. So we explore in a simple way our experience and recognize the differences in our experience when certain mind states are there, when they're not there. And so through this kind of a simple practice, we begin to understand when aversion is present in the mind, there's a contracted experience. The The mind kind of gets wrapped around itself. When there's not aversion present in the mind, there's more possibility, expansiveness. Sometimes I feel it just really simply. It's at a certain point in my practice, just kind of checking into this area in the around the heart. And actually, this area is um, when I was practicing in Burma, um, Saito Upandita at one point said, watch your mind. Your mind is located in your chest just to the left of center. And so this place, this 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 place can be a, a kind of a, a location where there's information about how the mind is. We we normally think of this as heart. And in the um, the word for mind in the Pali Canon, chitta, actually refers to both heart and mind. And in Burma, the understanding of mind and heart are very connected. And my experience as I explored that, watching the mind, you know, watching, uh, kind of taking the idea out, like the mind is up here somewhere, you know, the mind connected with the brain, and just began feeling into this area. You know, when the mind is confused or uh, reactive or... um, you know, there's kind of chaos in the mind or the mind is not wanting something or wanting to hold on to something. There's a feeling here of kind of tightness or tension. And when those aren't present, there's a feeling of expansiveness here. And so that became a really simple kind of check-in almost. How is the mind? Is it is there tension or ease? Does this area, this heart area, have a feeling of tension or ease? And that being very reflective of how the mind is. And I began to trust that really simple experience. And it, it could be a kind of a feedback, a feedback that if there's this kind of tense feeling here, there's something to learn, something to understand. The, the the mindfulness teachings encourage us to just you just know that you know, just know oh it feels you know tense here it feels open here the instructions in the for mindfulness are are pointing to just that simple simple recognition and beginning to trust the simplicity of that recognition that what happens as we're curious about experience in this way just experience as experience what happens is that the mind begins to see or understand that certain things like aversion, greed, confusion, delusion, lead to a feeling of suffering, of stress, 
in the heart and mind. And when those are not present, when we sometimes we even get to feel or experience the falling away of a clinging or of a craving or of an aversion, we might get to experience how that releases. And then we experience the expansiveness, the ease of that. And, and there's something in our system that at that point understands, oh, this this way, this letting go of that aversion or that greed or that wanting something to be a certain way, this is worth connecting with. This is a, this is a direction for ease and peace. So our system kind of moves us in the direction of letting go of the greed, the aversion, the confusion, the, the tension, the scatteredness, the, the contraction. It, it, the mind, as it sees, as it understands through this simple practice, understands releasing those states, or as those states are released, the mind moves towards ease and peace. And it doesn't even need the situation to change. Whatever we were reacting to, whatever we thought had to be different, in order for us to feel okay, we can see that, no, it actually doesn't have, that doesn't have to change in order to feel okay. In order to feel like there is some measure of not only just being here and being at ease, but also a measure of how to respond to that skillfully. So sometimes this this kind of exploration around um, ease and peace, you know, we might think that, well, if, you know, that what I said, what I said about um, we don't need the situation to change in order to have some, to, to, to feel like there's not, that, that there's an okayness, that there's an ease, that there's a peace. Our usual understanding of what ease and peace means is that if I feel at ease or at peace, it means I don't want to change anything. But this is a different understanding because with that landing and understanding this is the way it is, it's like this, and without having the heart contracted around it and fighting with it, that um, landing with that, this is the way it is, the heart also wants to act the natural movement of the heart that is not contracted, wants to act to alleviate suffering in the world. And so while there can be a recognition, this is the way it is, and not a contracted feeling about it, there can still be the movement with the open heart to want to act to do something, to change the, the, the situation, to, to prevent harm from happening. That's the movement of compassion. It doesn't that movement to want to change the way things are does not have to come from aversion or greed. That movement to 
take that action doesn't have to come from aversion or greed. It's, it's paradoxical. It's a little paradoxical, seeming paradoxical that compassion wants to alleviate suffering, but that's not, but there's not a, um, a craving around it. You know, it's, it, and again, it comes back in some ways to that. Does the heart feel open, connected, expansive? Or is the heart like contracted and resisting and, and fighting? So this, this quality in the heart really helps us to understand that difference and, and to begin to, um, to trust the action that comes from that space of expansiveness. And there are a lot of times, I would say, there's a lot of times when we find our way to, uh, oh, right, it's just like this. This is what's happening. We see so many times that the aversion or the greed or the confusion, that that was actually the only problem here. That whatever it was that I was reacting to, it's almost like the mind had its habits of reacting to that, and it's not actually something that needs to change. There's so many times that that's actually what happens for us as we really get to know our minds. But I do want to point to that possibility and the natural movement of action that comes when the heart has released when the mind and heart have shifted away from greed, aversion, and delusion and are acting more from compassion and wisdom and love, care. So the simplicity, I want to come back to the simplicity again. Just the simple meeting of experience. What this simple practice does for us. I mean, it, it really is. One of my teachers, Sayadaw Utejaniya, says the, the, the meditating mind or the mind that's meeting experience that will have wisdom is very simple. It's just like a mirror. It, a mirror is so simple, it just reflects what's there. You know, so the, the function of a mirror, you know, it doesn't care if it's reflecting a blank wall or a very complex, detailed scene. It doesn't care if it's reflecting something beautiful or something ugly. It just reflects. And so that's kind of the way this mindfulness is. It's reflecting what's there. It's just reflecting. And that simplicity that we connect with is that just that reflecting. That's the practice. What that practice shows us sometimes is as simple as a blank wall. (laughs) You know, like, wow, the mind is really settled right now. Sometimes it's as complex as a masterpiece of Van Gogh. You know, sometimes it's just like, so detailed and so elaborate. And that reflection, you know, it's like to not confuse 
the simplicity of the mind that does reflect. The simpler the mind is, the more clearly it can reflect. But not to confuse the kind of complexity of what's reflected with the practice itself. I have had this, I see this in my own like history and the nature of my own practice is, is um, you know, the, the, at, at, for a, a period of time, you know, this clear, simple mindfulness would just reveal. It was like just sitting there, I would watch the mind head into a, a kind of a, um, a reaction and then see it heading into the reaction and watch it letting go and just seeing things like, like, you know, dominoes falling, condition after condition. And, um, you know, seeing the complexity of the mind at work. At time, and that, oh my goodness, it's like really freeing. It helps the mind to understand some of those things, really help the mind to understand, like seeing the mind let go of its movement towards aversion and then feeling the ease and peace of that. Really supportive for the uh, faith and the confidence for this practice. And so, so sometimes seeing the complexity, and sometimes we can see the complexity that's described in the teachings, it can be quite stunning to see how the mind does what it does, and to see the interplay between views and the mind, and how that affects what we perceive. I mean, it's it's mind-blowingly amazing, this simple practice. This like When the mirror is really clear and, and simple, it will reflect that complexity. It will reflect that. And the, the, the piece that I really began to appreciate um, on this retreat that I just finished was kind of a little bit of the mind kind of believing or attaching to the idea that the practice was working only when it was seeing that complexity. So kind of the idea, you know, like the when the mind is really simple in the proper way, it will see a lot of complexity. That was not what was happening on my retreat. It was much more kind of, first of all, it was not very interested in anything. It didn't want to be kind of looking at details. And so it's like, okay, well, and then I tried to get interested in the disinterest. And that didn't go over so well either. (laughs) And at some point, you know, just the simple understanding of you know all that's happening, and it was it was it was connected to a teaching, a memory of a of a sutta phrase arose in my in my mind, and the the phrase was, "One has no perplexity or doubt that what is arising is just unreliable experience arising." And it, the, the phrase is, is dukkha. It's just dukkha arising, but it's just unreliable experience arising. And what is ending is just unreliable experience ending. And when that phrase came up in my mind, it's like, oh, right, you know, there doesn't have to be any 
knowledge or seeing of any detail here. This is what's what's being experienced is just like, yeah, things are arising and ceasing, and it's just nothing worth clinging to. It's just unreliable experience. And so the the mind began understanding like there was an interesting interplay between some shifts of mind states. You know, early in the retreat, the mind was bored a lot, you know, kind of in this terrain of not much to see here. You know, where's the interesting stuff happening? It's like, yeah, okay, so boredom. And when, you know, when I was kind of just like, oh, yeah, there's boredom and, and not have any resistance to it, not try to fix it or change it, boredom and contentment were so close. It's just like so close. And, and, and I almost began to appreciate, oh, there's boredom, because as soon as the mind recognized the boredom, it was like, oh, yeah, it's just, there's nothing wrong here. Nothing, nothing to go, yeah, nothing to get a, tied up in knots about. It's just experience. So boredom and contentment were just so close. And then the disinterest you know, just noticing disinterest, you know, disinterest and kind of the shift to, it was a shift to um, my recollection, like um, just calm non-reactivity. You know, when when the mind stopped trying to make things interesting, it was just... It was just, again, no problem. So simple, so simple. And the, the, it, it, it kind of startled me in a way, the, the, um, the learning, the, the, the next level of learning or the remembering of just how simple things are. You know, I had thought, oh yeah, I know what a simple mind is. A simple mind doesn't get involved and then it sees all that complex stuff and it had then taken that idea oh things have to be interesting things have to be really detailed and complex and then attached to that just simpler simple simple what is happening in this moment just right now what's here what's happening letting the mindfulness that's present reflect that. And then the trust that that simple awareness is enough. It is onward leading. It is onward leading. It does help the mind to learn. We get to go, uh, you know, our, our, our kind of um, conscious uh, sense of who we are gets to go along for the ride and see some of that learning happen. Sometimes, sometimes I've seen, you know, something get released, something shift, and I have no idea what was learned. It's just I know now what was learned is that there is now freedom from that reactivity. There is now a release from that. How the mind did that or what it understood, I cannot articulate. 
And so trusting, you know, that level of trust is, uh, takes, again, the, the trust also unfolds over the course of practice in um, kind of a deepening. You know, at first we might just trust, okay, if I, if I sit and pay attention to my breath, it'll calm the mind down and allow me to be a little bit more stable. And that allows a movement in the direction of connecting with moment-to-moment experience over time. So there's a, there's a gradual deepening of both the understanding of the simplicity and the trust in it. <laughs>